Telling the Tale. I'm your host, Mitchell Farley Wolf, and I'm here with Dustin Jackson. Hi, Mitchell Wolf. I have lost my wife, my cat, and my son in that order. That's not true. Yeah, I'm sorry. That. Oh, no, it's not true. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, Good. I lied. Uh, you know, normally I would be mad at you for lying to me like that, but right now yeah, I'm just it's a good lie because whew, that would have been rough. <laughs> I don't. I, yeah, I don't have any of those to begin with. Yeah, well, I, I'm. How am I to lose them? Yeah, I guess if you don't have them, you kind of did. <laughs> no, you got to have them first to lose them. Hmm. There's there's a <laughs> there's a philosophy problem in there. Today we're talking about <laughs> Tales from the Borderlands episode three, Catch a Ride, kind of. In my opinion, a, a bit of a, a bit of a phoned-in name for the episode. As, yeah, I don't think does any does that have to do with anything in this episode? It does. Um, okay. Catch a ride on a loader bot on the car. There, you know, there's a lot of things you catch oh, a ride on. That's true. Uh, released originally on June twenty third, twenty fifteen. It's been another three months. So there was a huge wow. gap of time between the first episode and the second, and then another pretty sizable gap of time for Telltale between the second and third. That's interesting. I will say it was at least worth the wait this time. Yeah, I, <laughs> like, I think so. Not, not, that the, not that the last episode was bad, but I did get a lot more into this one. It was directed by Ashley Rule, a name I haven't seen before. Uh, written by Sterp Shoret and Ashley Birch. Oh, nice. Yeah, she was a writer on this one. Um, interesting and designed again by a name i have not seen before uh brian Freyermuth. <laughs> that's a name i've never said before it's a name i've never said before either yeah um <laughs> so we're seeing some new names we're seeing some uh so ashley birch is not a new name to us but i think a new name in the uh in the, writer the writer's seat. department for sure yeah yeah so cool some new blood in telltale which might Given the time this was released, actually, be a signal that like, oh, there's there's new blood. I I wonder why there's churn happening at this company. <laughs> mm. uh, <laughs> so that might have not been good. But well, it I I think it at least worked out. Yeah. Like oh, I yeah. don't know any way of saying like who wrote exactly what, but I I did enjoy the writing in this episode. Oh, in terms of their performance at the jobs, absolutely. I'm just saying mm-hmm. uh, when there's a lot of churn at a company like this. It's a sign of not great things ahead. It, it's a sign that it's not worth working at for the long-term, long-time employees, right? Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, potentially, maybe that, that could have been the writing on the wall if we knew what to look for at the time. But it probably right. just looked like, hey, a bunch of new people are getting involved. That's exciting. <laughs> Be excited. So, episode three of Tales from the Borderlands. Before we get into it, high level, Dustin, what did you think? I had a great time. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I really liked this one. Uh, it, yeah, it's it, so so much happens just in the first like like more happens in this first like ten minutes than I felt like happened in the whole last episode. That's probably exaggerating, but that, <laughs> that is how it felt. Yeah, uh, there were there were some pretty interesting glitches in this episode that I got. Oh, really? I didn't run into any. What what did you get? So there was. Uh, I, I don't want to bring this up when we're talking about quality because it's not an indicator of quality. So we'll get to it. Um, and, and it really was just kind of more of a funny thing than anything that broke my game. Right. But uh, there, I feel like there's two kinds of in-between episodes 
in these Telltale games? Because I think this is still an in-between episode. Yeah, um, it, it definitely has that feel because it, it, it doesn't feel like there's... I mean, there are a lot of big moments in this episode, but it doesn't feel like any earth-shattering moments. It's just... Which is fine when it's entertaining, which this episode is. Um, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, because episode one is definitely a big, pivotal episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then episodes two and three are both kind of in-between episodes, but they're different because episode two is really just an in-between episode where we're going from one idea to another. It took a long time yeah. to get there, and by the end of episode two, uh, which is where it ends, <laughs> uh, we are there, but then it's over. And in this episode, yeah. I think we're still moving between big ideas, but this one seems to have much more of a pivot, much more of like a turning action where we get to see things really develop. We get to see actual events occur that mm-hmm. push us forward in the story and give us more information on the characters. And um, a lot of that just like normal happening time is happening to to give us more weight to these things where I didn't really think that was what was happening in episode two. I, w- I didn't Agreed. get more weight out of it. I just sort of got more time. Exactly. It, it felt a lot uh, slower. This one does have some big things happen in it, but it still feels like you're in that journey part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there was a, an especially good journey moment pretty early on in the episode, like the intro credits sequence was wonderful. It was a montage yeah. of the whole gang, plus Athena now, who we, we'll get to, uh, just hanging out in their RV thing, going across the <laughs> desert. Uh, and and there, was, there were tons of little character moments of, uh, like, Fiona sort of passing Reese his shoe, because he has been without a shoe for about an episode and a half now. <laughs> it's about time yeah, it's he about got that time. shoe. Uh, Sasha is doing uh, target practice on a billboard of Handsome Jack, and digital Handsome Jack is just looking at her doing that and crying. (laughs) (laughs) The loader bot and the new robot friend, Gortis, which we'll again get into, are becoming fast friends. It was great. Yeah, lots of stuff going on. And no dialogue in it. It was just purely visual. It was uh, very fun. It was great, but it, it made me want this to be the playable part it made me want like this to be the 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 bulk of the game right um i could see that but i could also see myself thinking if if it was i could also see it overstaying its welcome a little bit like i i do kind of feel like they get what they need out of it for this definitely and i i think this episode if there was like a a dominant motif throughout everything in this episode it's about the relationships between different people on the team yeah and that is one of my favorite things is relationships between characters so i i got a lot out of it yeah this was a very big episode for um reese and sasha which is a pairing that we hadn't seen that much before Mm -hmm. um big episode for the relationship between loaderbot and the gordas project which i could not have predicted uh (laughs) And Athena, who who now is a major player, and Fiona. 
Right. So so there's there's these pairings that are coming up. And in order to not feel like a third wheel, <laughs> Vaughn is completely taken out of the action very early on. <laughs> yeah, not that he dies, because that would be so easy for that to happen. But uh, yeah, he gets paralyzed. Uh, so, big question up front, I think. How did you feel about the character's reaction to Fiona throwing the grenade? Um, because it was that basically didn't have the... to happen. <laughs> yeah, I liked that it was basically exactly what we talked about. <laughs> yeah. Like them saying, yeah, you know... Uh, that was dumb. <laughs> that was dumb, and it was not a plan. <laughs> it, was... I, it worked It, it worked <laughs> out, but... Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering if this game feels more responsive to, like, our thoughts on the previous episodes... Because it has so much time between episodes. I could see that. I, I remember hearing... Uh, I'm, I'm sure I brought this up during one of our Walking Dead episodes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I know they talk about how uh, they do look at like player feedback and let that affect the story. Having that much time for it might be a, a good reason why. Hmm. Yeah, I, I could see that happening. Because every intro remarks on how long it's been since the previous episode. Uh, in kind of a cheeky way that mm-hmm. doesn't age super well because now it's been seven years since all a of week. Yeah, and it's been a week since we played the last one. Yeah, which feels like seven years. <laughs> I don't know what that means. No, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, it, it. I will say it didn't make me feel that bad about the bomb choice once I saw what happened, which is that everyone was fine and it didn't blow up that much. Right, there weren't any consequences to it yeah it it makes me feel like either way it worked it just would have been fine yeah but i i think what they're trying to uh drive home is that this uh it was stupid of you to trust fiona because it worked but it probably shouldn't have because she was just uh uh, improvising (laughs) there was no way to know it would have worked what's interesting is i think last episode we said canonically you should trust handsome jack like in universe it makes more sense Mm -hmm. to trust handsome jack he just has the plan compared to fiona Um, yeah but this episode has made me feel good about not trusting handsome jack because he acts weirder and more controlling in this episode than he had previous uh and Mm -hmm. depending on how you talk with the stranger who's kidnapping reese and fiona um reese can bring up some pretty good points for why he shouldn't trust Handsome Jack. Right. Uh, I think, to me, he or in, in my version of the game, Reese just says, yeah, I just trusted Fiona a little bit more than I trust Handsome Jack. It's not even about trusting Fiona that much. It's just not trusting Handsome Jack. Yeah, that's what he said for me as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and that makes sense. That's true. Yeah. Um, e- even, if, even if she's... Uh... A little unpredictable, like she has still proven that she is at least morally more on my side than I imagine Handsome Jack would be. Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, so you use the, I guess it's just like a smoke grenade? Yeah, but it, it didn't wasn't. they call it like a, a flash grenade? Like it does like a big flash of light, I guess? Well, it certainly was more like that than a real grenade, but I don't think they ever said that in the previous episode right they just made him seem like grenades which makes this feel kind of bad 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't really think about it that much when it was going ahead. So they get away via a, like a vent in the ground. And there's a, some pretty fun dealing with grunts moments on your way out here. But you eventually escape into the main chamber. You meet up with everyone else. There's a shootout kind of thing with Loaderbot and uh, Vasquez and August and everything. And uh, it's during this time that Vaughn gets hit by that poison dart and becomes completely paralyzed for the rest of the episode. Yeah, it, it really was just so they could just focus on these other characters. huh? There really is no real plot reason for this. Yeah, I mean, I was happy with it. Yeah, it's fine. I I don't hate Vaughn, but he is kind of the character I'm like least invested in, I guess. Maybe Chris Hardwick was more expensive. Maybe. I could see that. Vaughn works fine, but even then, like like he fills the role as Reese's best friend, but like I'm still you still have his relationship with like these other two that I'm more interested in. Yeah. So but I don't, I don't think it's bad or anything. The whole fight is broken up when Valerie shows up. When it, we've now seen Valerie. We hadn't heard about her last episode, but it was hinted at. Or we haven't seen her last episode, but it was hinted at. Right. Now we've seen her. She shows up. Uh, what do you think of this character design? What a wonderful character design. She's great. I'm I'm so glad that... Uh, we were kind of talking about last week how they didn't really have anything like uh, Bossa Nova. Mm-hmm. And what, what was the name of the other guy? Zero. Zero, that's it. They didn't have anything like those, just these weirdos showing up, and you get that again here with Valerie. Yeah. And she's great. We find, uh, she's voiced by Susan Silo, who, uh, is, you know, she was just in a bunch of other stuff. She was in Crash Twin Sanity. Shaolin Showdown, she was in. What a, Do you remember the- What a resume. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just the two things. Yeah, I remember Shaolin uh, Showdown. That was a fun show. Did you ever see the old, like, 80s Pac-Man Hanna-Barbera cartoon? Briefly. I, I might have seen a, a clip or two. She was in that. I think she was Sue with a ghost. Hmm. She has, she has a, just the other day, like, maybe a week ago, I was thinking, I haven't heard her in anything in a long time. And then here she pops up. And, I mean, this game came out a few years ago. But still, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, she was still doing stuff as recently as when this came out and then i looked up what she had done since and she's not like any big roles but like she was in like the final fantasy 7 remake oh cool um so she's still doing some stuff do you know who she played in that no okay (laughs) i i think i think when i was looking at uh behind the voice actors it it was just like additional voices so just like townies and stuff oh okay um yeah i mean she's a great voice actor uh but i very distinctive voice that works really well with this uh character i was just very taken with the character design the the artist on this character uh because you can go really busy with borderlands characters and that's kind of the fun of the aesthetic i think for a lot of people Mm -hmm. but this character is is just busy enough to be this really brooding brutish intimidating old lady uh yeah cool yeah just cool look about her um what what i like about it is that she feels like naturally like an evil old lady like it's so easy for some for like the joke to be oh here's your villain but it's it's an old lady isn't that wacky but here it like just works it doesn't come off as like a joke oh yeah there's no moment of comedy about her being an old lady it's just in yeah initially 
immediately uh oh she's she's really got this air about her and i think they make a uh, a big deal about it in in a really cool way when august and vasquez come running out and they're like oh sorry valerie i'm i'm so sorry uh and for august that makes sense for vasquez that's out of character yeah um <laughs> <laughs> I guess she just has, she's bestowed, she's put that much fear in him. So she asks Fiona who is to blame for the deal going sour. And Yeah, he, who, did, who did you say? Uh, I said Vasquez. I also said Vasquez. Which is not true. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't really know who to say. I was just like, uh. Yeah, I mean, it, technically it's uh, like Sasha, right? <laughs> yeah i guess uh because sasha i think i think the deal went sour when reese dropped the vault key the mm-hmm. fake drop uh vault key and he did that because sasha emp'd his arm oh wait you know what i didn't say vasquez i said august oh you said august yeah okay so what happened with august she calls him over mm-hmm. um and you find out August is her son, um, which is fun. Um, and then she rips his nose ring out. Oh, gosh. Yeah, she just rips his fucking nose ring out and then tells him to stand over there and think about what he's done. Wow. And it it really captured that energy of, like, being over at a friend's house yeah. when you're a kid and they get in trouble. Yeah. And, <laughs> and all the other friends are just... Ripped out of their body. <laughs> yeah exactly and then all all the friends they've invited over are just kind of like looking at each other silent like uh okay okay what do we do now yeah <laughs> um no when you say vasquez did it uh she kills him yes well she kills him anyway she, she always kills, kills him vasquez anyway uh, yeah she okay. shoots him in. she shoots him in the stomach all right telltale <laughs> Come on, Telltale. Uh, you're better than that. You, I, I've seen you in Walking Dead episode one. You let Doug or Carly live. Come on. That's true, but then they end up dying anyway. Yeah, but like for a few episodes. More than one. It's, <laughs> That's true. It's impressive. They stick around. It feels like that happens a little less as time goes on. Sure, and I, I um, think that things like... Uh, Tales from the Borderlands, and and even to a certain extent, uh, The Wolf Among Us, they're not building on the interesting choice system of The Walking Dead. They're building on the narrative power of the format. Uh, Yeah. Just in order to tell a story that has the same kind of prestige storytelling you would expect from primetime television of the era, right? In order to do that in a video game, this is a good format to do it. And I think that's what these licensees are jumping on Telltale to do. Uh, but I right. think the as- reason that The Walking Dead was regarded by many as like the best game that year of any game that came out had a lot less to do with that and a lot more to do with the interesting choices. So to see that these post-Walking Dead games of the same style are not focusing on the interesting choices and are focusing just on the fact that you can tell a story this way is it- a little... It's a little disappointing to me. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I feel like that's a big reason why choices in general are pretty... Uh, they're really de-emphasized in Tales from the Borderlands to the point where they don't even tell you the choices you make at the end. Yeah, I'm wondering if there's anything that we're going to play 
from later Telltale that has the same kind of choice importance as The Walking Dead? It's hard to say. I mean, I I would like to think at least one of them does, but who knows? I mean, maybe there's a reason a lot of people... Like, after The Walking Dead Season 1, even stuff like Tales from the Borderlands, which people said was still really good, it was never as big as Season 1 of The Walking Dead. Nothing was. Well, I think that part of that is just, like, for the games industry, we really hadn't seen anything like The Walking Dead Season 1, and we absolutely have seen something like Tales from the Borderlands. It was Walking Dead Season 1. So any of these are just not going to feel as new and exciting. You can't possibly right. make them feel as new as exciting and exciting. Yeah. You can maybe but, make them better, but I don't know if they have. Right. But I also feel like maybe de-emphasizing the choices is another reason for it. Yeah, it makes me curious about what's going to happen with The Expanse and Wolf 2. Yeah. Like, are they going to sort of return? Because Wolf Among Us was maybe like a half measure in this way. It... It felt like, yeah, you're going to get some choices, but it's less important than uh, The Walking Dead. So I bet Wolf Among Us might go back to being very choice heavy. I don't know what their approach with The Expanse will be. It seems like it's going to be more like uh, like an action adventure in certain parts based on yeah. that trailer. You, you saw the, the latest. I don't remember when the latest one came out, but it, it had like exploration gameplay in it for The Expanse strange hmm. I, I mean it could be but, cool <laughs> yeah i'm 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 down for it and i feel like if they're going to de-emphasize the choices you make then it that puts a lot of weight on the story and characters and i do feel like tales from the borderlands is able to carry that weight at least so far i've been i really like these characters now that we're a few episodes in like I, I really like this big group we have. I like, and yeah. I like the newcomers as well. Like uh, Gordis Rocks. Um, I've liked Loaderbot more. Really? It, it, yeah, I've turned around more, because Loaderbot. Yeah, has, same. Uh, well, that that first episode, I think, was it feels like a pilot in retrospect, like a pilot of yeah. what the series could be, and then these last two episodes have been like, okay, we've isolated we, what we want the season to actually be yeah because they really go out all out with a lot of the concepts in that first episode Mm -hmm. that don't necessarily you get some of that going forward but like that first one seemed like just all of these different things together yeah when we get into guardians of the galaxy and batman i want us to keep an eye on tales from the borderlands episode one and if anything that later telltale ever did after that had that kind of scope again yeah because i i doubt Mm -hmm. it i i bet that was the peak yeah um i guess like that's slightly disappointing but i'm glad we got like episode one is bananas oh yeah oh yeah 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 i mean you can be a lot smaller than that in scale and still be pretty huge because episode one was just enormous it take it takes place on like all over pandora and in helios on a space satellite and uh different hallways and you have a car <laughs> and there's there's stores <laughs> with uh with like tourist trap things and there's all kinds of like interesting storytelling of tell this part from Reese's perspective and then from Fiona's perspective and they both are missing mm-hmm. critical information it's cool like it was it it was uh 
top five Telltale episodes. I'm gonna say. I think so. Yeah. Out of I guess it's impossible. So I guess it's impossible to keep that same level of stuff sure. in every episode oh, yeah. going forward. Uh, but I'm glad they were able to make a really strong first impression. I'm hoping the finale kind of like goes back into it. We've seen that a few times. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. episode one is really big and then two, three, and four are, are a bit lighter and then episode five is really big again. We saw that in uh, Tales from Monkey Island. Mm-hmm. And episode five was ooh, Yeah, episode amazing. five of that was, was fantastic. We saw that, um, I want to say... Actually, not not that much with Devil's Playhouse. I was I was just about to say it feels like Devil's Playhouse really just builds up as it goes. I think because it starts out pretty low scale. You just have your villain of the week with a uh, skunk ape, um, and you're really just in the town. So it starts things off pretty light, and then as the ser- as the season goes on, it gets kind of bigger and bigger. Yeah, I'd really love to see a post Walking Dead season of sam and max not that i want sam and max to take that formula necessarily necessarily but like adventure games changed adventure games had the walking dead formula from telltale but then also things like gone home and the stanley parable and firewatch uh that have completely redefined adventure games in the modern era Mm mm-hmm I'll say this. I think I would be fine. Like if the if Telltale before they closed down just did a Sam and Max season four and it played more like Walking Dead. I feel like just by the nature of what the Sam and Max series is, you could get really weird and fun with it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I, I kind of mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think they should be pigeonholed into just doing that, especially like you said, adventure games have grown in all sorts of different ways. So th- I don't think they should like necessarily need to just do it like telltale did yeah um but i'd be down to see whatever a new sam and max season would go because sam and max are at their core even though they barely ever act like it detectives i do kind of want to have a bit more impact on oh i'm going around the scene collecting items and evidence and eventually i'll find out this mystery when i get there uh then Mm -hmm. the steam train pace that all of the later telltale games go at and they just don't stop and you you're essentially watching them as more of an interactive movie which i don't have any problem with but i i think maybe i want to sam and max to feel gamier i want it to feel yeah no i totally agree I, I i don't necessarily want it to be just like solely an emphasis on the narration and choices but you could find like a nice uh ballpark to play around in that's kind of between the two by the way we should be uh we should be getting that devil's playhouse remaster pretty soon right i don't know they haven't said anything about it i know when they were doing the season two remaster we they would still put out like screenshots for it Mm -hmm. Like, throughout the year, you would get, like, little somethings. We haven't seen anything with Devil's Playhouse, which I guess, fine, that's the season I would want them to put the most time and effort into. Uh, I'm I'm cool with waiting. Yeah, I just hope they're doing okay. We haven't heard much from them. Uh, Because in December, I think December 2020 was when season one came out, and then Mm -hmm. December of the next year was when season two came out. So I just, I thought we would maybe see it again in december um but devil's playhouse is a more ambitious game than either of the first two seasons by quite a bit so i could see that also taking longer 
I'm I'm really looking forward to it. They did a good job of making seasons one and two look a lot better, but season three was already like a big step up from seasons one and two. I can only imagine how they're going to fix that one up. Well, I have my limited run um, case that fits three Switch games from Sam and Max uh, that they yeah. made in anticipation of being able to finish those games. And, you know, knowing what knowing about indie development, what I know, I always thought that was a pretty risky, ballsy move. But to to sell that, mm-hmm. it's like, no, we're definitely making them. Uh, yeah, like from the get go, they were like dead set on making all three. Like when the first one came out, if you went to the website, it had little tabs for uh, Beyond Time and Space and The Devil's Playhouse. Yeah. I mean, when you're when you're running a business like that, you never build into your equation of like, OK, we might fail. You just can't think that way. So I get it. Yeah. Um but still actively saying we're also going to do these other things long after the project we're currently do, uh, doing right now, that is more aggressive than you have to be too. So, Right. Yeah. Well, now both seasons one and two are on every platform. Uh, they they kind of slowly rolled them out onto Xbox and then eventually PlayStation. So I hope that helps oh, th- get them a little, yeah, a that, couple pennies. Maybe that'll... Uh... Maybe that's slowing it down too. Maybe Devil's Playhouse is going to launch on everything at the same time. That's a good idea. Um, I'm still waiting on my Beyond Time and Space physical edition limited run. I'm still waiting. I ordered that in like May. (laughs) That's a long time ago. Or June maybe. Uh, Yeah, they they just didn't do it yet. I guess that's... Is that to be expected with limited run? I think what I've seen is, yeah, it just takes a while to get this stuff out. Um, This is longer than average, I think. But usually, oh. yeah, it, like it, it does take a few months from when the pre-order period ends to when they uh, finish manufacturing everything. Yeah, right. Uh, I'd be so down to see him tackle a season four if it were in the cards afterwards. I don't know how yeah. in the cards it is, but I it'd be awesome. I mean, they're still in contact with Steve Purcell. They're getting like update design notes. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't imagine Steve Purcell telling anyone else that they could just make season four than Skunk Ape. Right. Even modern Telltale, I I think would be a weird choice for that. Although I I have seen their Twitters interact quite a bit, Skunk Ape and Modern Telltale, so they don't seem to be mad at each other. You you never get a sense of, do these people hate each other (laughs) or not? Yeah. Do you think they could, like, uh, partner up, combine forces for a Sam and Max? Even a a Tales of Monkey Island remaster I'd be down for, because New Telltale still has the license for that, right? For Monkey Island? For Tales of Monkey Island. Well, yeah. They're the ones. Who, they they, yeah. they can sell Tales of Monkey Island, but they don't have any perpetual Monkey Island rights. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, if they if Skunk Ape were to remaster Tales like they did Sam and Max, would they have to talk to them about it? Mm. I think they would have to talk to them and Lucasfilm. Right, yeah. Um, uh and I don't, I don't know if they would even want to do that. Maybe they are just Sam and Max, but I really want it. Yeah, I, I think that because they were able to buy the Sam and Max games from Telltale, they have like a, they have an investment in shaping their company around it a little bit. Yeah, uh, where they don't have that with Monkey Island. Right. Even if they did buy Tales from Monkey Island, uh, they 
wouldn't have any continued guarantee of like, oh, maybe we could continue this because it will always be with Lucasfilm that they would have with Sam and Max potentially if they kept working with Steve Purcell. Yeah, I I totally understand that. I just really want to see that game get some love. Yeah, me too. I I mean, those those middle three Monkey Island games are are in a rough legal and technological spot for re-releases. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tales is a little bit better off on that than Curse or Escape, but Curse and Escape are pretty much locked to the PC. Yeah, they didn't get the special edition treatment like uh, 1 and 2 did. I, I've seen a few people do like AI upscales of Curse that look pretty good. Oh, really? Um, Yeah, I guess that would just be the way to do it since it would be less uh, effort than going in and like redoing it all in HD. Well, I know but, that uh, uh, a lot of the humongous games were released on Switch and the uh, yeah, humongous games true. use Scum VM to uh mm-hmm. emulate not an emulate it, it's like a software level re-compilation scum vm uh okay to, to make that stuff playable on modern consoles and whatever they're doing there might be good enough for curse and escape but i i haven't played a, a humongous game on switch my understanding of how it works is that uh it feels kind of like shaky it, it feels you can definitely tell that you're running some sort of third-party program in order to make it happen, which is great. I think that should be allowed to happen. But I could also see mm-hmm. Lucasfilm saying, I don't want to release my stuff in a way that looks like that. Um, right. So, Which is too yeah. bad, but at least they're all playable in some way. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm glad they're all playable on PC. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that Windows has upheld their promise from the early 90s to continue to uh, support any program from an early Windows operating system. Windows 11 mm-hmm. still plays Windows 3 games quite well. So that's great. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I forgot we were doing a Borderlands episode. Yeah, I mean, we're doing a Telltale podcast more than a Borderlands yeah. episode. So That's true. I don't I don't want to sound it's not like last week where I really didn't have that much to say cuz this is a very very good episode I enjoyed a lot. Yeah, and maybe instead of going like through the plot beat by beat, uh talk about some highlights. They go to an arboretum. Ooh-hoo-hoo. A greenhouse, what a word. if you will. Uh that was it once was an atlas domed research facility where they were doing some research on plants of some sort and uh some very nice visuals here with like oh, yeah. the pur- purple glow on the frozen plant. There's always some good... You're you're in for a good time when you get to the glowy mushroom level in a video game. That that was Pokemon Sword and Shield? That was Pokemon Sword and Shield. Uh, Donkey Kong 64, I think, does that a little bit. That's true. Uh, if you get to the glowy mushroom place, you're, you're having a good time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> uh it at this point oh no we should talk about athena so you're 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 gonna be killed by valerie she has shot a bullet into fiona's face um athena just jumps in with a uh shield and basically beats up valerie enough so that they flee and turns to the gang and says hey you idiots i'm trying to help you which, I don't know, Telltale. I watched her 
throw the shield at Fiona a couple times in the last episode. I don't know if I buy it. Uh, yeah. What, what you're trying to tell me, like, oh, no, it was a misunderstanding the whole time. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, but she was hired well, by Felix before he died to something, look after them. Something to keep in mind is, was that... That was also when Fiona was the one telling the story. Maybe she felt like she was throwing it at them when she really wasn't. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, that's that's kind of a a mental stretch you have to make to justify it. I could buy I it. I mean, that. if I, I don't yeah. know if that was the intention, but... Exactly. But it is something that at least helps it feel better. Sure. Um, it, it feels better without stretching it so that it's obviously wrong so i'll i'll I'll, I'll take it it's good um thanks yeah so now athena's just part of the team she doesn't know what the gordis project is at all she's just focused on protecting sasha and fiona cool she's she's also a very cool character design Mm -hmm. Uh, i feel like this episode like Every new character they bring in here, I think, is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Better than pretty good. Like, I love, like, most of these characters. Athena, um, despite being a tel- uh, or a Borderlands character from other games, does feel very telltale to me in a way that is uh, comparable to maybe Jane in The Walking <laughs> Dead. Or... There's a part later on that gave me real Jane energy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The specific backstory about having a dead sister <laughs> and being jaded and, because and... of your dead sister. And so you have to be aggressive and fight for yourself. Yeah, that did literally happen to Jane. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I I love Fiona's reaction to it. Like, she's... Athena's telling her her backstory that's exactly the same as Jane. And Fiona goes, wow, you are really bad at conversation. <laughs> She didn't say that on mine. <laughs> oh, she did for mine. She just did that. not. <laughs> she just didn't give even the slight. She didn't even pretend to care about her backstory. Well, I found out about that backstory maybe at a different time then, because I found out about it Ooh. when um, Athena had found out that the person staying at the Arboretum was a like an old Atlas scientist. And she's trying to kill everyone that ever worked at Atlas. Ooh, oh, yeah, she does mention it there. For me, she mentioned it a lot earlier when uh, she and Fiona were on their way to the turrets, you know, with the big man-eating plant. Oh, I didn't get it there. Interesting. Yeah, she says it to... I forget why she brought it up. It was something... She brought up how uh, she was tricked into murdering her sister. And then there's just this silence. And then Fiona says, wow, you are really bad at conversation. <laughs> I really like Fiona. Fiona's great. I I I said it before, but I feel like this episode was where I realized I really like all of these characters. I think Fiona's an interesting character because um we we've been looking at who's the the bell ringer in Savannah in season Molly. Molly. Uh I I kind of expected a bit of a Molly from Fiona. She's like a con man who's been living on Pandora her whole life. She's going to be the badass. She's going to be the one that shoots people. She's the hardened, cool girl. Yeah, Reese isn't going to shoot people. Reese is like a pencil pusher from up high. But Fiona is is this entirely put-together, stoic, badass woman. And it felt... It it made me imagine that, like, this early 2010s movement of pushing female characters in video games to be... um, like heroic beyond humanity a bit 
Yeah. Uh, which perfect badasses. Perfect untouchable badasses, which is absolutely a step up in in a, right. almost every way <laughs> from the mid two thousands. <laughs> typical exactly. female video game character but like but it, we but still it is kind of <laughs> yeah it's still kind of it's kind of over over uh fixing it it's it's over fixing it's it because the, now they're not even yeah. real characters they, they, they don't get to have the same arc or growth that a lot of the, the male characters have because now you're you it seems like you're forced to just present them as, as uh these impossibly ready and perfect assassins of all variety fiona right is a guybrush threepwood more so than yeah she's goofy yeah she's yeah she's goofy she's gonna fuck it up before she gets it right right both of our main characters in this game i think are very good both reese and fiona because of that they make them feel more real they make them feel uh like goofy fuck-ups yeah it it reminded me of um in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't know if you keep up with Marvel movies. We've probably talked about it on the show don't. before. How you don't. Um, Captain Marvel was the first Marvel movie centered on a female hero. Right. Um, but I felt that Captain Marvel was kind of that. And a couple movies earlier in the MCU, you had Thor Ragnarok, which was obviously not centered on a female hero. But it did have Valkyrie who is a is a female hero who like in her first couple steps off of her spaceship it's like framed on her and she was a she was she was like trying to intimidate these people into a fight she looked like this real badass but then like on the catwalk down from her spaceship she uh just stumbles to the left because she's super drunk and falls off and then she just doesn't (laughs) win the fight because she doesn't she's like asleep now uh, <laughs> that made me feel like okay now that person is allowed to do all the same thing that the male heroes are now that feels like a huge win compared to yeah like having to present them as the, these stoic cold um bastions of confidence you get you get that in a lot of animated series how like male characters are allowed to be goofy and stupid but then like you'll have like the token female character who rolls her eyes at the stupid boys. Yeah. And I I think that version of Molly is is probably one of the weakest points of Walking Dead season 1. Yeah, it's so weird because otherwise season 1 of Walking Dead feels like it just works, like all the characters feel very natural mm-hmm. and then you have this cartoon character show up. Yeah, yeah, she's this... she's a Power Ranger in a world yeah. of just regular folks. Exactly. Um, and She's got all the quippy comebacks. Now, Borderlands is a universe that completely supports just impossible superheroes existing all the time. And Athena is one of them. She's a vault hunter. She's she's known to be a powerhouse. Um, she has a reputation. Uh, and I think that's great because yeah. Fiona isn't that. Fiona's this very human person who's written incredibly mm. well all the time. Uh, and yeah, I'll, 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 uh, I, I want to apologize to Borderlands cause I, for the longest time did not think you were capable of doing that. <laughs> uh, and, and then Sasha is, is thoroughly different as well. And Valerie's thoroughly different as well. Uh, this game yeah, is a, a totally. wonderful job at that. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I, I wish Walking Dead season one kind of got on that level because it, it might 
it, it's one of the very few things that pull it back a little bit for me. Right. Um, it, it It's people that knew they didn't know how to write for women, but then thought that knowledge of that was going to be enough to make them be able to write for women. Right. And uh, it wasn't. No, it, it wasn't enough. Although I think season two of Walking Dead did it quite a bit better. Um, mm-hmm. Especially, you know, making Clementine the main character and being forced probably because she was the main character to explore her in a much bigger human way. And, and Jane is a better version of Molly uh, by the end. Yeah. Right. As well. Um, I guess season, I guess Molly really is the one in season one that's that bad, though. I, I think the other female characters are, like, fine, even if they're not, like... Oh, they just don't do much, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like, Carly, Carly is there, but she just dies in episode three. Yeah, Lily, Lily's uh, a, a strongly written character, but Lily also is gone She's by episode three. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I want to play more and Walking then... Dead. I want to get back in that world. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to get in that world. <laughs> it's 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 such a weird thing I'm finding is I feel like everything about like the characters and the world I'm enjoying more in Borderlands, but I I can't really bring myself to say it's better than season one of Walking Dead purely because I like the choice stuff. And season one of Walking Dead has great characters. But I do kind of lean more towards the more comedy-based and more adventure feel of Borderlands. Well, that's that's video games, right? Like, you can make whatever yeah. kind of world and set of characters that you want, and in a vacuum, that can be enough. But if you don't have... Not that Borderlands doesn't, but if you don't have a very well-tuned, thoughtful set of gameplay mechanics and systems and an eye for what the player experience is like, then you should maybe just make those things into a movie or a book because that's just a world and characters and story and writing. I guess I do like this better than if it were a movie. I'm more invested in it this way. Just, you still get little stuff like being able to use Reese's eye and like scan everything around you. Yeah. No, to be clear, I'm not saying that uh, tales from the borderlands does not have it. It absolutely does. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, if I think Jurassic Park might've been an example of when it actually didn't it on, in terms of ones from this podcast that we've talked about. Do you remember any of those characters? I mean, I remember, uh, decaf. (laughs) I guess that's true. Yeah. (laughs) Decaf. Yeah. They laid eggs in his chest. (laughs) <laughs> who could forget that uh, but like i if if you were gonna give me 10 million dollars i could not tell you the names of any of the other characters i'm gonna remember these borderlands characters forever they're great they make such a good impression yeah i mean those those jurassic park episodes are <laughs> they're just they're not much and like yeah. that could have been in uh, a movie in the jurassic park franchise it could have been yeah definitely borderlands is a, a, a very good video game. I just think that the design of The Walking Dead Season 1 and and even 2, but 2 is mostly like the narrative design that I think pushes it through. The design of Walking Dead Season 1 in all aspects is just masterclass. It's really, really good. Yeah. 
Uh, I and, agree. And that's why but it kind of doesn't I matter do... that if, if you like a, a different game's characters or world a bit more, Walking Dead Season 1 is probably going to push a, ahead of it. Yeah. I agree, but that that's not to undersell this game, of course. No. I, I am very much enjoying Tales from the Borderlands. Even, even last week's, which was kind of a lull, was still, like, good enough. And then this one... It just brings it back up again. Yeah, definitely, definitely true. And uh, I'm hoping that near the end, we have a similar kind of revelation that we had in season two, episode five of Border- of Walking Dead, where I didn't think a lot of those choices were doing anything at all. And then to have mm-hmm. them contextualized about, uh, have them contextualized by being put into the context of being things that are important to Kenny but not you Yeah, changed the entire series. And I totally understood what they were going for all of a sudden. Uh, and in these ones, these tales from the borderland choices <laughs> just don't feel like much. Right. And like, I'm not going to hold it against it too much. Cause from the get go, you get the feeling that choices are not going to be the most important part here. So I, I don't necessarily want to hold as long as it excels at the stuff it's trying to excel in i think i'll be fine with it but um yeah exactly it does still hold it back from being that walking dead season one level or even two yeah well mm, i don't i mean to to me i like two more than this uh but i understand that (sighs) walking dead season two for a lot of people felt like a low point I I did like Walking Dead season two more than I had before. Uh, after talking about it, I I do think people uh, rag on it a little too much, but I do feel like this is like maybe the one time where I think liking the characters and world more will make me put it over season two, hmm. even if I agree with you on what season two did. i mean and that that might even happen for me depending on how the next two episodes go it, we'll, we'll have to see how it ends yeah like i would say i prefer this group of characters over the ones in walking dead season two mm. well okay i think i agree but it's mostly just because in walking dead season two the real meat of it is so just Clementine and Kenny. Like, yeah. And, and again, that was like one of those things that didn't occur on purpose, did not occur to me until after playing through episode five. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like all of those other characters are kind of just put into the world to frame Kenny and Clementine's relationship. So I totally agree. Those other characters don't do as much as uh, Reese or Fiona or Sasha. Yeah, it, it it just comes down to what I guess I guess just what you value a little more because I I feel like characters are usually what I gravitate to. Well, I mean, that so being I said, feel like I having... still think Clementine and Kenny, just those two, I would put above any in this. Um, but any of the uh, other that... characters in, in Walking Dead season two, I, I don't know if I would. That's tough for me to say because I feel like Clemmy, Clemmy, Clemmy. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Clementine and Kenny are very well written, strong characters. They're probably better written characters, but 
but I just think these ones are more fun. I'd put Guybrush Threepwood over Kenny and Clementine. But that's just, that's not to say he's the better written character. I just have a better time with him. Mm. I don't know if I can get there. I don't know if I can get there. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. I know, I know it, it's a tough, it's a tough wall. I, I, to I, I would rank Guybrush currently higher than any character in Borderlands. Um, I would currently. too, but I I love Guybrush Threepwood. I that's a hard level to reach. I mean, Fiona is is quickly becoming one of my favorite Telltale characters. I think. Yeah, um, but but like, we, I, we I gotta see how the character. arc goes because yeah, uh, it, it could it could end any kind of way because we're we're seeing arcs emerge in this episode thanks thanks to uh, these characters develop. So let's talk about the characters first. The Gordas yeah. Core. Got to talk about the Gordas Core. Love the Gordas. Gordas Core. Core turns out to be a little robot when it unfolds from the ball that it is. Mm. Um, oh, and it, uh, it it's great. Yeah, I love it. Um, <laughs> voiced by Ashley Johnson. Ashley Johnson. Oh, I thought you were going to say Ashley Birch, and that would have made a sense with the no. writing credit. But no, okay, yeah, Ashley Johnson. Yeah, Ashley Johnson, who was uh, Ellie in The Last of Us. So Ashley Johnson and Ashley Birch, they're they're all part of that critical role scene, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have a point to that. It's just interesting. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when <laughs> when the the Gordis comes alive and it's just, hey, how you doing? My name's Gordis. Uh Fiona says, You are or you get the choice, and I took it, for Fiona to say, You are so cute. You are the cutest thing in the world. You are the cutest robot I have ever seen. And then the Gordas Core says, well, you're not looking bad yourself. Meow. And and Fiona responds with awesome. Fiona, yeah. <laughs> Fiona was just hit on by this robot. And w- without a beat, she goes, awesome. It, it, <laughs> she loved being hit I on like, by the robot. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. She and the audience are on the same page. Yeah. I, <laughs> She's like, oh, just this little, we got a fun little robot now. This is great. Everything's going well. Yeah, because I, I think there there's such a tropey response built into the world of being a character who is hit on in fiction. Um, yeah. Like, I, I, I would have paid any amount of money to bet that Fiona would have taken being hit on by a robot negatively. But I think if you think about anyone you know in real life, put in that situation where a robot hits on you, you would take it, you would be pleased. <laughs> you would be always like, love this that. rocks. I love this robot. <laughs> this robot fucks. And I don't know how to <laughs> think about that. <laughs> but cool. <laughs> yeah you know what else i'll say i feel like it would be very easy to make a character like this annoying it'd be easy to make this like the the overly cute character to contrast the rest of the world mm-hmm. but it feels very natural with this character like it it doesn't feel like they're doing like it is for humorous purposes but it works in a way that i wasn't necessarily sure it was going to at first. Yeah, and she's uh she becomes a really good friend with Loaderbot and that makes me like that's both great. of them more. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, that's so good. Uh it at the end when you have to save jumping ahead just a little sure. bit for a second, when you have to save uh Gordas from being chased, 
it makes you really want to save this little robot. You're like, no, this Gordis is part of the team now. Yeah. Uh, so the point of going to that Arboretum is to find an upgrade for Gordis so that uh, once it's powered up, it can locate what it's trying to locate. The, the right. vault it, it's going to. Uh, it also gives it thick running legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Loaderbot says, nice gams. Yeah. <laughs> and Gordas says thank you. <laughs> uh, so that's that's a great pair of characters. But to to move on a bit, uh, let's we can talk about Athena and Fiona, who is taken in by Athena really quickly. I think to do the same thing that Jane was doing, <laughs> just trying to replace her yeah. sister and uh, teach this up and coming assassin how to be more assassiny. That's that's so funny that you went with uh, Clementine and Jane, since uh, I, I totally agree. But I was thinking uh, Lee and Clementine, that scene in the boxcar oh, when sure, uh, yeah. Lee is teaching her how to shoot. Well, I mean, I went with Clementine and Jane because specifically yeah. it's to replace her dead sister. Yeah, it's like almost exactly the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, like to a... Maybe that bit with her sister happened in a Borderlands game that the player might have seen if they played it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe this is new information for everyone. Yeah, to me, just going off the information I had, it just struck me as a funny way of doing Jane's story. Yeah, maybe there, maybe Paul Shorette, who uh, might have worked on, I, I don't know what other Telltale things he worked on. Maybe maybe Shorette's got this uh, like grand vision of one day I'm gonna write the perfect dead sister story. It's it's gonna <laughs> blow everyone out of the water. People are gonna be like. They're- I apologize for making fun of you for trying this for so many years. I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> I now understand I, I what it. you were going for. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. It it really is wild how it's just the same. <laughs> it's exactly the same. I mean, I think it's done a lot better here. Oh, totally. <laughs> it's not Jane just going on and on about it. Like, the first time it's brought up, they make a joke out of it. And then the second time, it's like she only brings it up the twice, but... It reads like I a bought... parody of Walking Dead Season 2. Yeah, but at the same time, I do feel like it worked for Athena's motivation for later in the scene when she is going to kill the uh, the scientist. Yeah, so Athena gives you infinite bullets, so you don't have to worry about spending the one bullet anymore, which is nice for the, the fiction, but at the same time, I really liked the story implication and the the choice implication the design implication of having to choose where you spent your one bullet when you had one bullet it it felt like it was going to lead up to something well yeah because you can choose to kill your adopted dad or not and that was that felt big even though he died either way yeah and now you're you now you just get a lot of them yeah now you just get infinite ammo and uh you it it's it's a little bit of a bummer but i guess it's not that big a deal you can put elemental effects on it and this is now fiona is now becoming a vault hunter um she did not take the assumption of a vault hunter because in this universe vault hunter is more than just person who looks for a vault it's like an occupation that people fear like a witcher in the witcher universe or something you know about vault Mm -hmm. hunters you don't want to mess with them jedi maybe right like just there are there's these high level individuals in this world that are trying to do the same thing you are, but they will be better at it. Uh, so she's maybe, maybe this is the, 
the the core of what Athena's doing. She's told by Felix before he died to just make sure she's okay. And the way she is going to understand that task is to uh, to make Fiona a full vault hunter, and then she'll just be okay in fights from then on out. Right. Uh, I like that. Yeah, I like that. I kind of like that that route yeah so so her arc in this uh this story is probably going to be one about training and uh unlocking your full potential i like that story i like that story trope i'm same i'm happy for that uh third pair the the probably the most important one for uh i imagine what a lot of people online at the time were talking about which Mm -hmm. is recent it does yeah, it does feel like the the big one. Even though technically this and the Fiona one are pretty big. I mean, in in impact in the story, I'd say the Fiona one's probably bigger. But um, in previous episodes, I had gotten no implication that Reese and Sasha were going to date. I didn't think anything romantic between them was happening at all. Those two? Like, right. I thought I... Reese and Fiona. Right. I guess you could kind of like it. It doesn't feel like that's what they're building up to in episode one, but they at least have some interactions in the when they're like taking out the guards with their weapons. Yeah. Yeah. You you get some interaction with the two, at least you get a little bit of that. Um, I I maybe had just mentally compartmentalized them this way, but I had kind of been starting to think of sasha as way younger than race maybe they're not that different in age actually yeah so sasha's 24 yeah i think i i don't know if they ever say reese's actually i bet i can figure this way but out online let me look okay it up. um they they at least feel like an a similar enough ballpark that i didn't necessarily think it was weird hooking these two up mm-hmm. uh let me ask you before i find the actual answer how old do you think reese is so let's see sasha's 24 i'm gonna say reese is like mm, 27 or 28 okay so uh tales from the borderlands dot fandom dot com slash wiki slash reese says (laughs) that he's 27 and i don't know if that's in tales from the borderlands because he is in borderlands 3 Oh, Reese is in Borderlands 3? Yeah. Maybe that's a spoiler that he doesn't die at the end. Sorry. Um, hmm, sorry, <laughs> sorry about, about that. that. But yeah, he is in Borderlands 3 uh, as a supporting character. Interesting. Yeah, and he the, the thing says 27. Because this is Tales from the Borderlands wiki, I, I'm going to say that he's 27 in Tales, not in, uh, not in Borderlands 3. Right, so I was right. What's my prize? Uh, the knowledge that they're only three years apart. So that's totally... Yeah, that makes sense. I was hoping for candy. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess DM me your mailing address. I'll, I'll fax you some candy. We'll, we'll discuss it after the okay. show. Okay. What's your, what's your go-to candy these days? I'm a big candy Ooh. guy. I eat a lot of candy. I really want some candy now. I think after this show's over, I might just run out and get some candy. It depends on the mood I'm in, but... Um, well, when we had a so, Halloween candy in the house a couple weeks ago, we had a big mm-hmm. bag of, of mixed, like, chocolate things, and we had 100 Grand Bars in there, which I can never find on their own. 100 Grand Bars are yeah. so good. 
what's all in a hundred grand bars? I don't think I've had one in a long time. Um, it's it's like, um, it, it's got some it's got some crunch in it, but it's a lot of caramel, and and on a wafer, right? And chocolate covering. I like I like wafery things, like you you know those Reese's sticks. Yeah, those are good. Hundred grand bars are are a lot more caramel than you're used to in a chocolate bar it's an uncomfortable amount of caramel it, well if you don't like it it is but i'm i'm into that nasty shit so <laughs> <laughs> shove that shit down my throat yeah i'm, I'm kinky uh, that way I'll, I'll take any caramel you got i think my go-to candy these days like when i think of candy i really want sour patch kids come to mind. yeah i could chew some up right now i want some i'm hungry man <laughs> i'm just regular hungry is the problem actually <laughs> Not candy hungry. Yeah. I, I could eat food. I haven't eaten anything today yet. I'm probably going to run out after this. Yeah, I might I might just do um, that same thing. Um, I know we're in the middle of a Borderlands podcast, but can I tell you a story and all of our listeners a story? Okay. It's, a, it's not very long, but last week, uh, me and my roommates, you know, the usual boys we bring up every so often. Yeah, those pals, yeah. We went to Wahoo's Family Fun Center. Okay. It's like a... It's, it's kind of like... It has like mini golf. It has an arcade, go karts, just one of those kinds of places. Can I ask if this was an atom fueled idea? Yes. <laughs> yeah, but it, well, right. it it wasn't necessarily his idea. It, his work was doing something oh, cool. where we all got to go for free, uh, which was nice. That was fun. Um, uh, but we all got cards for the arcade that only had five dollars on them, which isn't a lot because. I think the cheapest to play one of these games is a dollar, which wow. sucks. A full a full yeah. dollar for one play. Yeah, I think the cheapest one I saw was fifty cents, but it was just like a Pac Man. Yeah, I mean, I was ready um, for that not to be quarters anymore, just because the times they are a changing. But a full dollar sounds like too much still. Yeah, it is. It was not great, and that a dollar is like one of the cheapest ones. But anyway, so one of the games they have there is just like a little claw machine that'll grab candy for you. So, you know, you can get... But the thing, the way it works is you don't even get the candy that you grabbed. It puts it on like a little platform, and then it has like a pushy thing that pushes the candy into the uh, winnings pool, I guess. Oh, yeah. So, like, you, the candy you grab is dropped onto this platform and is used to push the candy that other people grabbed down farther until it drops down for you to grab gotcha um so i did one and i didn't no i won just like a little twix bar or something you know like a little fun size twix mm. and i thought and i thought that was that but <laughs> that's <laughs> i guess the game decided to play itself Whoa. It kept for like a solid five, between five and eight minutes, the game was just continuing by itself, just randomly grabbing candy and giving us more and more candy. Nice. Yeah, we don't know what happened, but boy, was it fun. We had other people come around. They're like, what's going on? We're like, it's just going on. It's playing itself and giving us candy. Uh, Do you ever drink? You ever drink a monster energy drink? No. I've never had a Monster Energy drink, actually. Not even once. Are you opposed to the idea, or you just haven't done it? 
I just haven't, I guess energy drinks just aren't really my thing. I'm always worried I'll drink one and explode. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the first time I had a monster, I, I kind of felt like, I'm not even amped. I'm just going to explode. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, fe- I feel bad even drinking like a can of soda. So yeah, yeah, you, Your story reminded me of a, of a very particular experience I had in a rock climbing gym I used to go to when I, uh, when oh, yeah. I had a, a body that could do that. Uh, where they had a, a vending machine there that had Monster Energy in it, and Monster Energy was just such a, uh, a a rare thing to have because like my parents are never gonna buy it. They're smarter than that. And in my adulthood right now, I'm not going to get like multiple Monster Energies for myself. If I ever have one, it'll be like okay, I have a specific thing I need to keep awake for later today. Maybe I should go out and get one. Uh, but and because of that, right. I've just always associated monster energy drinks with like, ooh, what a treat. What a what a special time. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, what a tasty little bit. Even though, uh, which is probably good. It's like a mini Christmas. Yeah, it's, it's good for me to, to keep that. It's good that I haven't normalized them <laughs> in my right. life. But I also <laughs> am an adult with money. So like I could probably just... <laughs> You could just go out and get one whenever you want. You know, want. I do. I I can't pretend that I'm above them. I like the taste. I honestly, Dustin, I think you probably would too. It's it's like, it's just kind of candy water. <laughs> right. You know what's so you know what's so funny about this conversation is, it reminds me of one we've had before on whether or not eggnog should be seasonal. Right. Yeah. And you you were saying it. Did we disagree on that? I don't remember. I. Personally, I like that it's seasonal. I like that little, oh, it's getting to be that time of year. I can get myself a nice eggnog. Yeah, I think I think my take, or at least the take I'm feeling right now, was that it's fine if it's mostly seasonal. But if I, if I really want some in another time of year, there should be an option to like, okay, maybe I need to go to a specialty store or go out of my way a little bit. Um, but, yeah. but like, I, I shouldn't just be shut off when, if, if I really need some, <laughs> if I really need that nog. Uh, yeah. If, if I'm, if I'm negging for a nog, I gotta be able to, uh, <laughs> get some. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think the artificial scarcity and feeling FOMO about it, it it's kind of just some capitalism. I, I don't know. Yeah. But at the same time, I do like it. <laughs> I, I like that special feeling of it being like that uh, December Christmas time of year and I can just go into the store and get my eggnog. We're really on a but tangent I, right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, they, this has been the eggnog portion of our podcast. Yeah, and in, in fear of continuing the tangent and then just never returning to orbit for this show, um, <laughs> I, I am going to ask you, have you heard the song uh, White Wine in the Sun by Tim Minchin? I have not. Uh, it's my favorite Christmas song, and it's a lot about like how he is an atheist, doesn't believe in in Jesus, doesn't believe in Santa necessarily, doesn't you know believe in like the a lot of the societal associations of Christmas. But he just gets to spend time with his family, and can't not like that. You know, you can't not like the season when it has just been that good to you in your life. Right, that that is a very relatable uh, feeling. I don't consider like my family to be Christian or anything. Like, 
I don't really know what we are, but we still celebrate and enjoy Christmas. Yeah, I, I think my parents, my parents would definitely consider themselves Chris, uh, Christian, but they don't go to church ever. But we do still celebrate Christmas. And uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. trade that. It's like a good time. Yeah, same. Uh, just for for people. It's just a good people time. Anyway, maybe maybe Borderlands has Christmas. No, (laughs) me neither. Maybe maybe Santa's got a gun, though. I don't know. (laughs) That would be great. They should give us a little bonus Tales from the Borderlands episode with Santa Claus. Yeah, maybe it's like a machine gun that uh, just fires bullets (laughs) out many times a second and but, anytime he shoots oh. he goes ho, 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 ho. but 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 the bullets are candy the bullets are candy canes yeah definitely because he's got that <laughs> he's got that legendary loot we have to finish this episode yes <laughs> uh, where were we valerie breaks uh, in wait we were talking about reese and sasha did we finish oh yeah okay so they're flirting with each other hardcore um you get the opportunity to pluck a flower as reese and give it to sasha and i did that and if you do it she's actually pretty receptive to it and it, it seems mm. like she's into it and reese is into it um reese i i like how like awkward they make reese i think they did a really good job of reese is not at all the character i was afraid he was gonna be yeah me too um yeah so how do you how do you feel about that romantic relationship I agree with you that it does kind of come out of nowhere, but I don't dislike it. Yeah. <laughs> because I because I like both these characters a lot. So I'm like, oh, Reese and Sasha, sure, that's fine. And I, I think part of what makes it okay for me is we it's mainly from Reese's perspective. We see Reese is getting kinda nervous. Yeah. He he's getting a little uh he kinda has the fidgety fingers. Um, he is getting really into Sasha and Sasha's receptive to it, but I don't necessarily think she's got like the butterflies in her tummy or anything. She's just kind of accepting it as it goes. And I think that helps it feel like it's, they're not immediately head over heels for one another. I, I think the thing that makes it feel weird for me is that in the first episode, she needs to pretend to be the love interest of August in order to to get in that space and then in the second episode Mm -hmm. she even does that a little bit for scooter um and then she has (laughs) i forgot scooter oh there's a there's a great moment where they're skyping scooter while they're fixing the car in the montage (laughs) at the beginning love that (laughs) yeah that's right Uh, but (laughs) like just just to ask him for mechanical advice uh, but there was that conversation they had where she said like hey i would i don't want to be the flirty one all the time I don't want to have to be that mm-hmm. all the time. And, you know, I because she expressed that, I want that for her as a character that I like. So for her right. to just kind of have this whole episode where the thing seems to be again, that it's a romantic relationship. And even if it's something that she's into versus something that she's just pretending, uh, it does feel like there's an effort by the writers here. To continue mm-hmm. to define her as a romantic interest, uh, which is a little disappointing yeah. because she does other things. Well, and it, but this episode, that romantic interest with Reese is like the kind of top of how she's defined. 
I I actually see it a little different because okay. in those fake relationships, she was like she was very flirty with August. Here, she's not being flirty at all. Like even I don't know Reese giving her the flower. She's very she feels like more jokey about it to me. There's there's uh, other it, things it feels... besides the flower in in this uh, episode. Like a lot of the the writing. Uh, she does the hey tiger you're pretty good at that over there not hey tiger i made that up but <laughs> just, i don't she never vibe. feel i got that vibe yeah it doesn't feel like i didn't get that vibe it she felt like they are making her a love interest but she felt like a natural love interest she doesn't feel like yeah she does say i don't like being the flirty one all the time here reese is trying to be flirty and failing at it and she's just kind of like okay i don't think he's right. failing at it uh, well, you know what I mean. Not failing as in she's not interested, but failing as in... He's stumbling, but, like, he's he's doing yeah, it right. Yeah, stumbling. Like he's, stumbling's the better word. He's He is successful at, you know... Uh, yeah, but he he's not being, like, Mr. Cool Flirty Man. I, I definitely agree that it's, it's more coming from Reese than it is from Sasha, but I do still think that... Uh, maybe I disagree here that Sasha is just kind of taking it as sort of like, oh yeah, sure, we'll, we'll do this for now. I think it, I read it as a bit more than that from Sasha. Yeah, well, I'm not saying she's not interested in Reese at all. Like, I'm just saying the way she's acting mm-hmm. is not the same as she is with like August. Yeah. Where it, it feels like she's more, I don't know, like trying to be the flirty one here it's i don't know it just feels like more natural like i mean it, it is more natural because those other ones were fake relationships and this isn't so that's that's yeah. better and i like that i like that it shows that this this could be a real thing and not just a pretend role she's playing yeah i i'm just disappointed that so far she's mostly been defined by relationships I get. I can see I, that i want to see yeah. some internal strength from saucer because she constantly she does do really cool stuff like uh when she goes out to help i guess to help reese uh (laughs) but when she goes out on loaderbot um she's she's like thinking up that plan for herself and she's taking a lot of immediate action and uh direct initiative that even reese like no one else in the party really is uh so that's Mm -hmm. cool but then to see most of the personal side of her still be defined by her relationship with men is disappointing I'll, I'll say that much. I do, however, like the ship. <laughs> I will say that it's a good ship. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's what it comes down to for me. I, st- I still like the character. I like I like both these characters. So I don't think... I, I don't get, like... I'm not having a bad time with sure. it. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think... Uh, yeah. But I, I nice. do get where you're coming from as well. Uh, yeah, and I mean... I, I don't hate it enough that I tried to stop the flirting with my dialogue choices. I accelerated <laughs> it, in fact. So No, Reese, no. <laughs> Reese, no. It's not horny at all, I promise. <laughs> you have to let her do her own thing first. Man, nothing warms up a relationship like a visit to the Arboretum. That's a quote from someone, by the way. I didn't m- make that quote up. Talking about a completely oh, wow. different video game. Uh, and those those who know what I'm talking about know what I'm talking about. And those who don't will just have to... Listen to everyone talk about every video game to know what I'm talking about. I guess that's me. <laughs> You've got some homework. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then 
I, I don't want to like do a play-by-play for the rest of the episode, both because we're kind of running long, and also it, I don't know how worth it it would be to do. But um, Valerie crashes the dome, and you get in a fight with two of her uh, like lead vault hunter assistants. Mm-hmm. And there's a cool bit where they hang Fiona upside down, and then Sasha ha- has to kind of help her out, but. You also use a lot of like lateral thinking, sort of Indiana Jones, MacGyver <laughs> uh, things to get <laughs> out of the situation you're in. That's it's a pretty fun moment. Yeah, I like when you swing. And uh, we get a whole bunch of people coming yeah. in. We get the two thugs from the last episode. Yeah. Um, whose names I forget. One of them. I almost said fi- Finch and Kroger. Fr- Finch and Kroger. It's such good names. I'm sorry I forgot <laughs> them for a second. Finch and Kroger. Yeah, those those guys are fun grunts too. All the grunts are fun yeah. in Borderlands. Maybe I didn't maybe that's always true about Borderlands, but it's really true in this game. Yeah, definitely. Uh yeah, like what else is there? Is that is that it? Yeah, I guess. You got the whole chase where you're trying to save Gordis. Um Yeah. I, that part was fun on the car. Yeah, like at the very end, Valerie kind of corners them and she has the upper hand. I think she shoots um, Athena, but it doesn't look like she's dead. She's just kind of hurt. Yeah. And then you find out that the I... next piece of Gordis, because you're just putting together this uh, McDonald's toy Inspector Gadget, <laughs> uh, is is on Helio. So you got to go to the satellite. Right. And that's the next episode. Crazy. Oh, one thing I liked is I like how Loaderbot just gets more and more destroyed as time <laughs> yeah. goes on. I, I wonder at what he's going to be by the last episode. Well, there's a great moment. So Gordis got legs and yeah. Loaderbot lost its legs. So you just put Loaderbot on Gordis. You got a whole person. And that's, yeah, and Loaderbot says, this is the best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it looks really funky, and uh, I think Sasha and Reese are riding just on Loaderbot's shoulders at that time. What a fun visual. Just the whole time just seeing them. I love uh, how Loaderbot's, like, running on his hands. Yeah, uh, like Geodude sometimes does. Yeah. Uh, it's good. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. I've, I've, this really sets up... I, I hope some cool stuff comes from what this episode sets up. I have a feeling it will just because of how people... How highly people think of this game. But uh, I'm hoping it does. Yeah, Dustin, whenever we're done with, uh, with Pokemon Generation 9, would you want to play some co-op Borderlands? Do some... Uh, Maybe. Just do some uh, Borderlands in, in our downtime. I don't know if we do an episode on it, but... I, I want to give it the shot, you know. I, I, I've give gotten it the benefit an of the idea doubt. of what Borderlands is like, and if it lives up to that idea, we will stop playing. But Tales from the Borderlands has not been that idea, so I've uh, yeah, yeah. And it's hard to say if that's just because of what Telltale brings to it or not. Yeah, so maybe we try Borderlands two because I've heard actually that two is a lot better than one in that way. I've heard that as well. So maybe we start with two. Um, That'd be cool. Yeah. That's, uh, I think that's yeah. all we have to talk about, unless you got something else. I think so. There was a doctor scientist uh, there, but, like, it's fine. He's he's not that big a character. He's not bad. I though. think he can Dr. die. Dr. Cassius LeClemain. He can probably die if uh, 
Fiona lets Athena kill him because Athena wants to kill yeah, him. Yeah, there's an option. There's an option to say like, yeah, kill him. But uh, because Atlas killed or Atlas made Athena kill her own sister. So, you know, yeah, that's the. <laughs> uh, but I knew that neither of us would pick that option. So, well, not just because of the perfect little Boy Scouts we are, but it just doesn't feel like it's a good reason to kill this guy. Yeah. If you pick that option that we picked. Fiona says, you didn't make a vow to your sister. You made a vow to yourself. And now you're just being meaner than you have to about it. And yeah, I mean, that's exactly what's happening. <laughs> that's yeah, that's it, always it, what's I usually like happening would, in these games. Even though you have the option, it would feel out of character for me to, for Fiona to be like, yeah, kill him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For everyone in the party just to be like, oh man, that's unfortunate that this has to happen. <laughs> but i guess i guess yeah. it has to i mean you convinced me <laughs> <laughs> it didn't take that long yeah um let's see uh we got our segments yeah let's do our segments golden moment let's do those segments golden moment is the whole intro just whole much Mine shit happens too. Like so right good at the beginning i have it written on my notes here uh this intro montage has more art and animation assets than probably entire sam and max episodes yeah well when i say the intro i meant like before that as well oh but that okay spe- like the t- like the opening credits are, are very good like that could just specifically be like is that your golden moment just that the opening part? credits which i believe was last episode too these opening credit sequences are great very good yeah. uh but yours is the um, like the escape from the atlas facility the yeah, first so much you go to. So much happens right away. You meet up with Valerie and you meet Gordis. Uh Vasquez dies. Vasquez dies. That's so that's a weird one to me. Because you were just talking about earlier how it seemed like he was being built up to be more of a villain in episode two. And then here he just dies right away. That that seems like a weird narrative choice. It's not necessarily one I think is like wrong. Yeah. Like, I don't hate that it happened, but it's interesting. I mean, this this is a pattern. <laughs> uh, this is a pattern with Telltale. I think it was uh, most apparent in Walking Dead Season 2, where we had Carver, who was the big bad, and then it wasn't after Episode 3. Yeah. This is Episode 3. Um, now, Vasquez did that, where it's Vasquez, but it, it, it's, uh, it makes sense to do once. Where you have a big bad, you're really elevating them, and then you get the player used to the normal of, okay, it's me against them. And then you have a bigger big bad who Ganondorf's Zant out of existence. And then you have Valerie, who is Vasquez's real boss. And now, now you feel like the stakes are continuing to be upped, even though you were previously already used to Vasquez. Yeah, I'll say this. I think that's a lot better than the Ganondorf example you brought well, up. Well, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a famous example people don't like, right? Yeah. Um, but I think it really did work in Walking Dead Season 2, even though I I actually think that people don't like that. I like it. I think it's good. Um, I think it's fine. I guess I don't feel... Wolf Among Us kind of did it too, didn't way. it? Um, I don't know because it always had the Crooked Man. It was always kind of building up to the Crooked well, Man. Well, the Crooked Man 
Yeah, but like in the first couple episodes, didn't it seem I don't more think it's like Tweedledee like or Tweedledum? And then like it's like, oh, well, their boss, Bloody Mary. And then no, Bloody I, Mary's I boss, think, the Crooked Man. I think Tweedledee and Tweedledum were always kind of billed as just hired goons. Okay. They never felt like the big bads. Okay, okay. Bloody Mary, maybe. but even, Well, Bloody Mary was like no. the real force. Because the Crooked Man was powerful in that he could manipulate others. He was individually very weak. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, in episode three, when Bloody Mary appears, like, we still see the Crooked Man in the car. So I don't think they're ever trying to be like, oh, here's your villain. Oh, just kidding. Here's your real villain. Like, they still imply that it's the crooked man who's in charge of all yeah this. and to be fair this is a bigger thing than just telltale like uh agonim to ganondorf again it's ganondorf a lot of the time that just uh <laughs> sort of upsets the other bad that you were that you thought you oh were dealing with. uh kid icarus uprising medusa and hades Does that. yeah yeah yep 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 um i bet we're gonna see it a couple more times in this podcast <laughs> once or twice i mean a lot of the time that happens within a single csi case (laughs) that's true the it's they make you think it's going to be one person then bam it's someone else that's how you know it's not going to be the first person when it makes sense for it to be a person it is not them (laughs) right i i think it works better here when i can buy that there are more dangerous higher-ups Man, are you ready to do that fourth CSI game? No. Okay, well... We only just we <laughs> just did the third yeah. one. I don't have to think about this one for a long time. Yeah, that's fair. We, we have a... Well, we already have a weird thing coming up where we're, the next game we're playing after this is uh, um, not a Telltale game. Right. Yeah. That's true. Uh, so, choice cut. I'll tell you mine. We didn't talk about it during the okay. episode at all. Okay, um, I think I have an idea of what it's going to be. It's whether or not you want to work with Handsome Jack. Ooh, that's not what I thought it was going to be. So there there was a moment uh, where Reese is having his, his little uh, talk-to-yourself conversation with Handsome Jack on the roof of the car. And Handsome Jack's just saying, hey, you didn't, you didn't go with my plan because we didn't go with this plan. This could be a completely different conversation if you did. Um... We got to work together, man. And it, it's just this whole conversation about how Handsome Jack has a very particular outlook on trusting people or else you're going to die on Pandora. And then Reese very smartly brings up, you did die. You you are dead because of what you did. <laughs> um, so you, you have this conversation. And eventually I chose to work with Handsome Jack to say like, you know what? Let's do a partnership. Let's Let's work it out. But I'm going to have input on this. It's not you in control. Uh, I said that too, because even though we didn't trust him yeah. the first time, I still think it's better that everyone's kind of working together. Yeah, and it is kind of a, a it's kind of a nothing choice to say, yeah, tentatively we will be on the same side until you say something I don't like. It, it, like yeah. it, it, it's very low stakes, but it still feels like we're advancing that relationship a bit more of uh, Ex- digital exactly. handsome Jack and and Reese. To a point where I, I care how they interact. I totally agree. Yeah, because I like uh, Handsome Jack being a larger-than-life figure who would never, ever have a conversation that lasted more than a couple ex- sentences back and forth 
with someone like Reese. But because he's like being brought down to that level, he needs to explore a new system of socializing with people that he doesn't do, mm-hmm. uh, hasn't had to use before. And that is that has been cool. Yeah, I, I like it does make him more. Uh, you were kind of talking about how last episode you were getting more of the quippy Borderlandsness out of him. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just assumed you didn't like him, but it sounds like uh, he you're getting a little more out of him this episode. Yeah, I mean, I think that was true about last episode. I, I don't think it has continued yeah. to be true. Okay. Uh, at least not universally. Because last episode, there was so much of like, oh, dude, wallet head? This guy used to be bald, and I put dollar <laughs> bills on his head. Like, okay. <laughs> you're weird. You're so, a weird guy for that. That's not a reflection you're on weird. him. weird. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah in this episode he kind of has to it it um it's just him and reese together and yeah i agree i like that yeah i think last episode there was a lot coming from handsome jack of like um i'm just gonna pop out of your head and make some quips about what's going on yeah i'm just gonna make some quips i think i'm bigger and better than you i think that Whatever this setback I'm dealing with now, being stuck inside Reese's head, is a transitory moment for me. I'm mm-hmm. I'm more important. I'm handsome Jack. I'm the big bad of Borderlands 2, he says. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big deal. I don't have to, like, pal around with you, like, third-rate treasure hunters. And then in this episode, that emotion isn't there as much. Handsome Jack is probably... learned and grown from that in the intervening times even though he would never admit it and you don't see it he's more like Mm -hmm. okay you know what reese you and i are actually we actually are on the same level i'm going to start respecting you a bit more as a human if you do the same for me and like that that interaction is why it's my choice cut i think it's a cool character growth moment for uh for both of them I totally agree, even though it wasn't my choice cut. But I do think it's uh, it was. What's great. yours? Uh, that you can the choice on the, your new clothes. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, because I I did it again. It is something with like no real bearing on what's actually happening. But it was I did sit and think about it for a while. I didn't have money to get something for everybody. No, I only got I got a new suit for uh, Fiona. I also got a new suit for Fiona, which I'm I wonder if we got the same I got the one. most expensive one because it came with a hat because she sacrificed her hat earlier in the episode. And I thought she should have a hat. <laughs> I love that when she's like, but I like my. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, she's I feel like. In these kinds of games, my job as the player is to be a steward for at least recent Fiona, maybe other characters too. But like, yeah. I, what are my, what are the ways I have to serve your best interests? And buying her a hat when she didn't have a hat anymore, that that felt like the thing I could do. Right, I agree. And that was fun. I agree. It it, it was just a fun little. Uh... Fun little moment. And I like that even if you can't afford them, you can still see Mm -hmm. what you can purchase for everyone else. So it's still cool to see these characters get some different looks. Yeah, I wasn't around for like the hype cycle for this game. I I had kind of already left the Telltale fandom for then. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I wonder if the fact that this game has currency and you can buy things and it has loot like in regular Borderlands, 
was a selling point because that stuff certainly didn't exist in The Walking Dead and probably on the surface would make it feel like it exists uh, in, a, in a more RPG-like space. But it doesn't really change the gameplay. It's just kind of a fun thing. Yeah, they straight up say in the costume descriptions, like, oh, yeah, no, there's no benefits to these. Yeah, because it'll be <laughs> don't, listed don't as worry about makes it. you a thousand percent less flame-proof or, or, or uh, flame-weak or whatever. And then in the description yeah. it says, nah, not really, though. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it just looks good. Don't worry about it. Uh, and also, I'd be remiss not to mention... Uh, or I mean, it was your your choice cut, so you can mention this if you think you know what I'm going to say about this. Um, I don't. It's Go ahead. Bosco. Bosco. You, you, it's his song. They used the Bosco song again, and you didn't catch it again. Maybe you don't know. This I didn't song, catch it, ag- and, and that's fine. I I might need to listen. Well, I also wasn't. I didn't have the volume up that loud. Do 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 do. Do, 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 I do. love that. Do, 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 that's do, do. that's a fun little thing. Like even if Telltale's done with Sam and Max for right now and done with that style of gameplay, um, you still get that little taste of Sam and Max uh, permeating through. Yeah, I mean Sam and Max, despite Telltale not owning them at any point, um, really did serve as Telltale's if not Mario, at least like Sonic the Hedgehog to Sega. Yeah. Maybe Sonic is actually more of a mascot to Sega than Mario is to Nintendo. I need to, I would need <laughs> to sit on that, but uh, it, it's like their, their mascot. Series. Would you, would you say it's more like Crash Bandicoot to PlayStation? Mm. Where it was never like an official mascot thing, but it always felt like it. I think it's more like Crash Bandicoot to Naughty Dog specifically. Where, like, mm, in, in okay. Uncharted games, sometimes the characters will be playing Crash Bandicoot as, like, a... Right, right. Oh, dude, remember Crash Bandicoot? And the characters would say, yeah, I always thought this was the best video game. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Crash 1? Hmm. Yeah. It's crazy to believe that Crash Bandicoot is going to be a, an Xbox mascot pretty soon. That is crazy. Yeah. Um, hmm. <laughs> Oh, you know what's one thing I wanted to bring up? Um, so one thing I just thought was funny was uh, if you s- scan, if you use Reese's eye when you're going, when you first reach your destination, it looks like Sasha's the only one who you can scan just because everyone else is so far ahead. Mm-hmm. But under Sasha's uh, data, it says uh, favorite children's book chester the chubby varkid i did see that i wonder what's a varkid <laughs> it's it, it's an enemy in borderlands 2 i read up oh uh is it like a human i think they're like creatures okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah who's your weekly guy gordis mine's also of course gorgeous. yeah how could it how could it not be but this episode has a lot of good characters in it and i was thinking near the end I think, even though Gordis is the obvious answer I have to go with, I would give a runner-up to Reese this episode, I think. I thought Hmm, Reese was uh, a likable, enjoyable guy in this episode. Like, I don't know if it's any more so than he was before, but it just kind of struck me more this time. I was like, I like Reese. 
And I honestly, I think you could say Fiona too. We were already singing Fiona's praises. Yeah. Both really kill it this episode. Yeah, I was definitely on, on the fence of Gordis or Fiona personally. Um, I, mm-hmm. I mostly just said Gordis because I think Fiona's strengths, I think, have been throughout all three episodes we've played so far, whereas Gordis is like this yeah. episode. Um, definitely and Gordis is a great character the whole time I was thinking I hope this is a character that lives (laughs) at the end um yeah and that's been our episode this week have we forgotten anything it sure has um I got a couple funny lines okay um (laughs) so one line that I thought was really funny. It was uh, it was when they reached the main room where uh, they think Gordis's upgrade is, and Fiona says, "Anyone else's creepometer going bananas right now?" <laughs> that is a Dustin line and a half. <laughs> I don't know. Just the idea of a world like Borderlands, like Pandora, and using the word bananas uh-huh. <laughs> is very funny to me. Uh. <sighs> <laughs> uh already had but i like my hat that was a funny mm-hmm. one um oh when they're talking to um the doctor dr cassius leclamain uh fiona interrupts she says hang on there doc if that is y-. so they don't yeah. know that that's his name later she says hang on there doc if that is your real name and he says it's not and i never said it was <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's funny. I I think that's about all I got, but this line brought the chuckles. How can the same studio that made Jurassic Park make this? Right? It's, I mean, we said that with Walking Dead Season 1, just one game after. Yeah, but I, I think, like, we know enough about how Walking Dead was going to be this, this big modality shift, so they were risking it all. Kind, kind of mm-hmm. Final Fantasy 1 style, where... If this doesn't do it, the company might go under and we got to give it our yeah. all. And then they did. Um, yeah, just a lot of a lot, a lot of impressive things in Tales from the Borderlands. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm constantly bewildered by uh, how a team like Telltale, which at this point was not small. There were a lot of artists, a lot of writers. Um, right. But still, still, they're, they're, they're making <laughs> these huge things every mm-hmm. well i guess they they took more than a month so maybe that's the answer to my question how'd they do that they just took longer and <laughs> had a lot more people and also they crunched all the time so <laughs> yeah uh i guess it was worth the time maybe not the crunch but because uh, this episode is a lot better than episode two which i didn't really feel the benefits of taking longer to get out on true yeah yeah i think they found themselves after it because Whatever episode one was, it was just completely unsustainable to do it for all five episodes, right? So, um, yeah, maybe these l- last here... two episodes were the process of finding what we wanted in one to continue in a sustainable way. Yeah, and I feel like two is a little too light on those big moments. Well, three is still lighter than one, but it has those big moments to latch on to. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, I'm I'm very glad that uh it picked up and i'm having a good time yeah me too and i hope that you the listener are also having a good time because we'll catch up with you next week when we take on tales from the borderlands episode four and until next time we'll see you goodbye